0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Big Show Podcast brought to you by the three of us Alex, Corey, Ethan, your guides and your experts for all things Big Ten football. And PSA, public service announcement for all of you out there the North is no longer coming, the North is here. The Michigan Wolverines have taken leadership of the Big Ten Conference, and everyone else is staring up at them. That's just the way it is now, and they showed you that on Saturday. We've got the game reaction. We've got CFP rankings reaction. We've got the new head coaching hires reactions. It is so, This is by far the episode that I've been the most excited to talk about, and I will admit it's mostly because I got to watch my team and my school kick Ohio State's dirty rotten teeth in. <laughs> uh, that was a lot for me to, to start the episode. I don't know if either of you wants to jump in right now. Well, I know with, uh, I know any-
1: I know one oh, thing. All Terry. of all of the Ohio State listeners have already tuned out. But um, <clears> throat> no. in <throat> all seriousness, I think it was um part of what you just said there. It's you know the Big Ten now goes through Ann Arbor. And I think Michigan and Jim Arbaugh made that very clear. Um, Statement win, program win, call it all the different cliche things you want to call it. Um, It was just better game plan, better execution. Uh, In the first half, when things didn't seem to be going their way, they found two huge pass plays uh, to Cornelius Johnson. Uh, keep, Keep them right in the game. And then second-half adjustments. Michigan has been a second-half team all year long and just an absolutely unbelievable performance in that second half.
2: Listen, we can throw out as many stats as we want. We can throw out diagnostics, all of this stuff. I just want to say, fellas, I think you should be thanking me for for falling on my sword and and making a move to Indianapolis because since I've moved here... Michigan is two for two in in meeting here at the end of the season. So, fellas, I, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to say it's a coincidence. I'm going to say <laughs> that I think you know I'm I'm you know I'm the Wolverine's lucky charm here. I'm I'm holding the flag.
1: Mighty I keep telling I. everybody, no, no, no. Listen, I keep telling everybody, my son. Ever since Wells was born, uh, he's two and zero against Ohio State. He's a he little tiny stuff. baby. He was a little tiny baby last year. I was holding him the entire game. I was crying at the end of the game last year when we beat him. And this year he was running around. Um, he's walking already.
0: I I don't care what I don't care what it is, but until further notice, Corey, you have to stay in Indianapolis and <laughs> Ethan, you have to keep well alive. That's
1: just oh, wow. two things. Okay. That All right.
2: Right, not for the if
1: that's what Not needed. for the
2: sake of our like job, you know, career, the Lord's calling or even just the the life of a of a young lad. Nope, we have to do it for Michigan football.
0: That's why. Yeah, yep. yeah,
1: yeah, that's absolutely. it. Thanks Alex. That's absolutely <laughs> We're off to a rip-roaring so start, boy. Before,
0: yeah. before we uh really get into not just the Xs and Os of the game, but more so the big implications of it in terms of programs and directions and and all that kind of stuff. Let's talk CFP a little bit. Uh, the picture is getting much clearer now for the CFP ranking. So I'll give everybody the top ten. At number ten comes Kansas State, who's about to play TCU in the Big Twelve Championship game. Nine is Clemson. Eight is Penn about State, time. which
2: it's about time.
0: Uh, it is about time. About time. Uh, seven is Tennessee. Six is Alabama, who lost to Tennessee and has the same record, but. Why they're ranked ahead of Tennessee, uh, I don't know. Because <clears throat> they're – <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, number five is Ohio State. They go from two to five after this weekend. Four is USC. Three is TCU. Two is Michigan. And one is Georgia. Um, so, I think all three of us and national media agree that Georgia, Michigan, even if they were to lose this weekend, resumes and eye test. They're getting in the playoff no matter what, although nobody expects either of them to lose this weekend. So let's talk about the third team and the fourth team, TCU and USC. And let's throw Ohio State in there too, because they kind of all relate to each other a little bit. What do you guys think, Corey, I'll go to you first, about if TCU or USC were to lose, do you think Ohio State gets in there no matter which one of them loses? What do you think the scenario is? For Ohio State to get in?
2: Personally, I think TCU is pretty safe. I've been on the TCU bandwagon, waving the flag for a couple weeks now here, and I think the committee is starting to pick that up. I mean, you finished the regular season undefeated in a Big 12 conference that consistently chews itself apart all of the time. You've had some pretty big wins in there, some pretty impressive wins. Then you've also had the wins that every team in college football has faced. You just skin by, uh, you know, just barely. But I, I think the committee is finally impressed with TCU and their strength of record is number one in the country as it stands right now. And now you're getting a neutral site top 10 matchup uh, against the Kansas State team with a pretty prolific quarterback in Adrian Martinez. I think if you lose that game, you still have a very good chance, if not one of the most deserving resumes to get into the college football playoff. Flip it over to USC, uh, and I guess I can reveal a little bit of secrets. Talking before the show, we talked about how USC has already lost to this Utah team once. If you lose to them again, I think that really does hurt yeah. your chances as well and allows yeah. Ohio State to squeak on in. So really, I think it's it solely comes down to, does USC lose if they do Ohio State or maybe even Alabama, because I've heard some rumblings with that, finds their way into the playoff. But if TCU loses, I still think they're
1: safe. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Corey here. Um, I've kind of changed my tune on TCU uh, and them being a one loss and you're done. And a lot of that has to do with the things that have transpired just over the last couple uh, couple of weeks with Clemson losing another game. Tennessee losing another game, LSU losing another game. Um, It really has solidified TCU's season, and uh, I I believe that they are in the playoff. Um, Aside from maybe a blowout loss in the Big 12 championship game to Kansas State, but even if they do lose, it's a loss to a top 10 team, and it's a loss in the conference championship, and they're 12-1. and They should still get in. So I think Ohio State's only chance here, and I do believe Ohio State gets in if USC loses to Utah, which is completely possible. Um, they don't match up well with the play style of Utah. Uh, you saw that in the game earlier this season when they lost to them. And but Caleb Williams is playing on another oh, level right oh now. Oh my god! I mean he. He, ladies and gentlemen, your Heisman winner, Caleb Williams, and my goodness, does he deserve it. But I, I'm just telling you right now, he's he is on another planet right now. And, well, I don't think that uh, Georgia and Michigan would necessarily, they would both be favorites against USC for sure. But I don't think anybody wants to play them right now uh, with the way they're playing. So, it um, we'll see. It, it's all going to it's all going to come to a head uh, this weekend, and we will know. Um, but I I kind of expect USC to get it done against Utah. Really hard to beat the same team twice uh, in a single season. So um, we shall see. But I, I, it's going to be very interesting because I do think if USC loses, Ohio State does back into the playoff.
0: Yeah, I agree with both of you. If USC loses, Ohio State gets in over Bama. Bama not only has an extra loss but also has a worse win and a worse two losses than Ohio State's one loss to Michigan. So, I do think Ohio State would get in over Bama. Oh, Bama's USC's out. Lost.
1: Them putting Bama at 6, they're out. Guys, I don't I don't is,
2: I don't know. Be- I've been I, I guess I can't really take much credit from like what the media is saying because really all that matters is what the people inside the committee room are saying about this. But they're they're talking about like okay yeah if they have TCU two and
1: USC were to lose like they would put Ohio State and no there's no way there's no there's I no don't way. think they I, there's no I saw, possible way.
2: I saw I think I heard again from this I don't know what his name is his name's first name is Boo. It's like you know maybe we could see Alabama jump in Ohio State over this weekend. It's like how. How can you do that they Both don't play teams don't even play oh
1: he talked to him i don't know if you watched the cfp show but he was talking to um i don't know if it's the commissioner the guru whatever the guy's name is but he said you know with them standing pat are you you know you're you got you're confirming that that like that is the order that you see those teams in and he said yes so
0: okay well that yeah that's good uh, I'm a little bit more on the fence about TCU losing and still being safe than you guys are. The, what TCU does have going for them, they've got two ranked wins. If they were to lose this weekend to Kansas State, it would be a Kansas State team that they've already beaten earlier in the year. So it would just be like the reverse of if USC beats Utah this weekend. So they would have that going for them on top of the fact that it was a completely undefeated regular season. As opposed to Ohio State, who had a blemished regular season, but the other side of the coin is that Ohio State would have a better loss than TCU, and also a better win because Penn State is ranked above Kansas State. So, how much does the kin- committee, you know, value playing in a conference championship game and and already beating the team that you lose to in the last weekend? I, I just don't See, know that it, answer. It, this is
1: game. this is where it's different for me because. For USC, I can see them putting Ohio State in because they also already have that loss. So at right. this point, you're valuing, okay, now you have a second loss to that same team, and Michigan is better than both of those losses to Utah. So I could see that happening. But as far as TCU goes, you cannot punish a team for going to their conference championship game. It's true. That's what I don't, that would I don't be. Think you should That's punishment. That is. They went undefeated, so they made it to an extra game. You cannot punish them and let Ohio State get in over top of that. It, that can't happen. It, it just all all hell would break loose if that if that were to be the case, because people would be like, "Then why do I want to go to my conference championship game?"
0: Well, you then know? could you make the so same argument
1: for the USC? No, they... no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because they already have a regular season loss, which they already have. They lost. already have a loss, which so does which so does Ohio State just one. But then you're, they're still making so, it right but they then they would have they would have a regular season loss that was worse than Ohio State's loss and they lost to that team again in their conference championship game. Would it be worse? I think though? Yeah, it's a worse loss than Michigan. Michigan's way better than Utah.
2: A 1-1 one, a one point
1: loss on
2: the road to I think at the time it was a top 12 team. To against a, it's a to against a twenty two point loss in your own building. I get I get it was a higher ranking, but I mean let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, but the Michigan, strength of schedule. Michigan embarrassed Ohio State on their own field. I and, and I get that,
1: but I think you're I think you're missing out on the value of those teams' schedules as well. And listen, USC. You could argue USC has this, the stronger strength of schedule, especially as far as wins go. They've beaten UCLA. They've it, they've beaten um, Notre Dame. I'm sorry. And, I, I mean, Ohio State's only big win this year is against Penn State. That's it. And Notre Dame. So, you could make that argument. I, I just, I think it'd be really hard to put USC in if they lost.
0: Yeah, I think I think we all agree on that. USC has to win. Um okay. So we kind of uh, we have a decent picture of what we think might happen depending on the results this weekend with who gets in the playoff. But now let's get into the meat of what happened this last weekend in Columbus, Ohio in the Horseshoe. Something that not a lot of people I think no one was expecting. If anyone was expecting Michigan to win this game, it was going to be close and it was going to be in a fashion in which they did not end up winning the game in this weekend. Almost every expert was on Ohio state, especially with the news of Blake Corum being hurt and him going in for a play, then coming out and not re-entering the game. No one expected Michigan to be able to do what they did against Ohio state. They went in there, beat them 45 to 23, almost doubled them up, outscored them 28 to three in the second half after being down 2017 at halftime. Um, uh, we can all go on our own little blurbs about this game. So, uh, Ethan, Ethan, why don't you start, take, take your minute, minute and a half, and just talk us through what you were thinking watching this game. So,
1: I, I mean, early on, we had a text thread going between the three of us. And, and early on, it was more of the same of what we've seen in the last three or four games with J.J. McCarthy with the overthrows and the inaccuracies. And I I was, I, I, I mean, it was not looking good. It was not looking good at all. And when he made that pass on that zero blitz to Cornelius Johnson, and he broke that for the touchdown, I thought to myself, well, that might be what he needed. And I think I put in the text chain at that point to you guys, like, that's the last zero blitz they'll send all game, and it was, but it didn't matter because at that point he had the confidence, and he hit Cornelius Johnson on that disgusting double move where he just yes. absolutely fleeced that safety, and I mean all all uh, JJ had to do was put it downfield, which he stepped up and made a nice a, a really nice throw still, um, but it felt like at that point he was just finding all of his wide receivers a very underrated play in this game um when Michigan scored their first field goal to make it 7 to 3 it was after a, another big pass play to um oh my goodness Perry and it was we don't hear have- I'm not i am not i am sorry not Perry oh my goodness why am I'm losing my mind right now mm-hmm. you were losing your mind a long Roman time Wilson. Ago. no not not Roman Wilson what? Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell. Thank you. My goodness. Why did I say Perry? He, it was on that. <laughs> and, and it was JJ rolling out to the left, which he is not typically good at rolling out to the left and making a pass. And he did. Uh, it just and, and then the second half. Uh, I mean, what can you say about halftime adjustments and what this team does coming out of the half? It is absolutely unbelievable. And it's been that way all season long. And they did it against their best opponent and their biggest opponent of the year. And it's just like, it was unbelievable to watch. Their defense put the clamps down on Ohio State in the second half. And their offense finally found that run game. And boy, oh boy, when Donovan Edwards got loose on those runs. It was just, everything came together perfectly. And I mean, we were kind of having this discussion before the podcast, but the Big Ten now runs through Ann Arbor. And, mm-hmm. and and Michigan has made that abundantly clear. And guess what? If you're a Buckeye, you got to come back to the Big House next year. Ooh. So, uh, I, and this is how streaks start. That's all I'm saying. You get one on the road. You get one on the road, and and this is the way you can do it.
2: Listen, I think we've all spent our time reminiscing on this game and just enjoying enjoying everything that's come along with. it. Because in in this in this part of of the Midwest, there's a lot of Buckeyes that tend to get to Indiana, so I've had a, a lot of last laughs here. It's been a pretty fun couple couple of days for me, um, but I just want to say this was the best I have ever seen the Michigan secondary play. They were incredible. Now Marvin Harrison, he had his spectacular. I think he had a couple of spectacular catches. He had a he had a touchdown catch as well, um, but. In a game where there wasn't a whole lot of sacks, at least until the fourth quarter, I will say that the Michigan Michigan secondary played out of their minds. The Mike Sanders still coming out party. He was making Mike Sanders
1: still. Can we all agree? Mike Sanders still is one of the top three defensive backs in the Big Ten. I, I mean, he had he was unreal, and Will Johnson too. I mean, give credit to him to as well. Say, I was just about to say, and oh, by the way, Will Johnson is a true freshman, and you can't throw the ball in his direction. Absolutely not. He was lined up, and I know he was getting safety help a lot with Marvin Harrison Jr., but he got lined up with him. And if you look at a lot of those plays where C.J. Stroud is having to hold the ball and hold the ball and hold the ball, and then eventually just makes like an errant pass or whatever, Marvin Harrison Jr. is being covered by Will Johnson like glue. And that is an an elite level NFL wide receiver. People, the best wide like, receiver in the country. Just say it. Yeah. Yes. One hundred percent. Will Johnson is the truth. He's the truth. Him and Mike Sanders still are are going to be a problem in that secondary.
2: So uh, the story. I mean, you could go so many different ways. JJ McCarthy played a game that was unreal. He showed why he is a five star player and was just poised, collected. He wasn't nervous. He had that just absolutely awesome run to top off a 14 play. It seemed like an hour-and-a-half drive. I don't want to steal things from you, Alex, but the last thing I'll say, A.J. Minter called an incredible game. And maybe the one of the most unsung heroes of this game, uh, McGregor, the defensive end, on that little like, oh, like yeah. fake like a uh, drop into coverage great, play where great. he tips CJ Stroud. I think that was a third and short, something like that, yep. right at midfield. That was a difference maker as well. And I can't wait to see what this kid does for the rest of the season, but it, it was an ugly ish first half. It kind, We even talked about it, it kind of looked like the first half that Penn state had against Michigan um, where they took the lead. Um, but again, second half adjustments, they stuck to their game plan on defense and then they just kept chipping away on offense and like, just Donovan Edwards just absolutely being an, a man saying, hey, uh, my dominant hand is broken. Uh, I'm going to still run the ball, and there's nothing uh, that you can do about it. I'm going to score uh, plenty of touchdowns in crucial times, and uh, I'm gonna I'm going to be your dad.
1: Alex, before you go, I just have to give the two of you credit because before this season started, what was my biggest fear going into this season? The fact that Michigan had to replace both of their coordinators, their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. And I was like, you guys, you don't realize this is a big deal. Like Alabama is the only school that does this and is still elite. Like no one else does this. And both of you were like, no, like Jesse Minter isn't changing the style of the defense. He's keeping the same defense. He has been just as good as McDonald was. If not better it, it because I, th- I honestly think that, uh, no, I don't think I know that the sum is greater than the, 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 the sum is greater than its parts it, it, the, yeah. with this defense. It is absolutely yeah. unbelievable how he has them playing together. Uh, and everyone is on task every single play. And it's truly incredible. And I knew Just like last year, CJ Stroud is going to get his numbers. He's going to have yards. You know, that's going to be the way it is. And he did. He had over 300 yards, but so many of them were so empty. You know, and it was just like Michigan coming up with huge stop after huge stop in the second half. Unbelievable. So go ahead, Alex. I'm sorry.
0: No, you're good. You're good. And if anyone's complaining about how long we're talking about this game, you don't understand what it meant and you're an Ohio State or Michigan State fan, so you can sit and eat it or fast forward. But college football is about moments. That's everyone's favorite part about college football, are these significant moments in a team's trajectory, in a season, in a player's career. Last Saturday, and I don't think I'm overstating it when I say that was a moment for Michigan football and their players and their program and for Jim Harbaugh. That was a moment that nobody in the last 22 years had witnessed in that game in Columbus, Ohio. And to go in and win in the fashion that they did was unbelievable. So I've I've got a lot of different ways that I can take this, but I'm just going to mention a few position groups and players. Number one, the defense and Jesse Minter. In the first half, this super slow first half for, for Michigan, they had on offense three, no, four, excuse me, four, three, and out. I was sitting there so nervous that the defense was going to get tired, that they were going to let up, that eventually this, this Ohio State offense that takes over football games was going to do it on a tired defense. And it did not happen. They held them to field goals. They turned them over on downs when necessary, forced them to punt to keep them at 20 points at halftime, an incredible job. And Jesse Minter, to your point about how great of a coach he is, that long Marvin Harrison touchdown in the first half was on a delayed safety blitz. Didn't see it the rest of the game. He said, I'm giving safety help over the top on Marvin Harrison for the rest of this game, and I know for a fact that we will cover him. And it did not happen again. Absolutely incredible coaching. Next one is J.J. McCarthy. And I've got the receipts. Uh, from you two, okay? I'm going to call you on the carpet a little bit because Ethan was like, straight up, JJ can't throw the ball. Corey was complaining about how Michigan was playing, and I was like, guys, it's early. His first start in Columbus, he's missing his Heisman contending running back. His, this next running back is hurt. He's he He knows in his head that he's going to have to win this game for this team, and the snowball gets rolling real fast early in that game. But like you said, Ethan, as soon as he made that pass to Cornelius, you saw on the sideline, J.J. smiles. Unbelievable
1: pass off his back foot, by the way. Just unreal.
0: Back foot falling away, pressure in his face. And you saw him. He was smiling on the sidelines. He was loose. People were patting him on the back. And from there on, he was money. Every overthrow on open deep balls that we saw early in the season, not that game. Dialed in. Put it right where it needed to be, and he even did it with his feet too. Had about a 19-yard run at midfield in that one of those first drives of the third quarter. I think it was the first drive. Didn't the third let up quarter. either. Bull, those
1: bulldozing kids. That was right before Kept the right down. before the pass to uh, Loveland.
0: Right before the pass to Loveland. Exactly. That was a JJ drive, and then he ran it into the end zone, bypassing his own blocker, saying, "You know what? I'm I'm taking Ohio State on right here, and I'm getting to the goal line." Way to go, JJ. Cornelius Johnson, I've been on this wide receiver core all year about how they're not making plays for JJ. They're not making 50-50 catches. They're not getting separation against DBs. Cornelius Johnson might just be an Ohio State killer. Remember the catch he had last year from Cade McNamara to set him up at first to go to the one-yard line? Yeah. The diving over-the-shoulder catch. Here he slid, Cornelius he slid Johnson,
1: about 10 yards after he caught it.
0: He did. Cornelius Johnson in this game, four receptions, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. Buck eye killer. The offensive game plan was perfect. They took exactly what the defense gave them in the first half. They said, you know what? We need big plays through the air. They're shutting down the run. Forget about it. Second half, they said, all right, offensive line, let's lean on them and see if we can get some room. And Donovan Edwards and the incredible offensive line took over from there. It was topped about from coaching to players, schematics to talent. It was a top-down Michigan was the far superior football team on Saturday. And we can say it all over, over and over again, to do it the way that they did, without Blake Corum, with an injured limited snap Mike Morris, who's their best pass rusher, without Luke Schoonmaker, their best tight end, and maybe their best pass catcher, with an injured – Backup running back and Donovan Edwards.
2: Broken dominant hand.
0: What an an incredible job by this football team. They believe in each other, and they are on a mission to go win more than just the game on
1: Saturday. Um, Really quick, the first time in Michigan's history that they have beaten Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State by over 20 points in the same season. (laughs) Never (laughs) happened before.
0: (laughs) So we've talked a lot about Michigan. What is, where does Ohio State go from here? There's a, there's some fans calling for Ryan Day's job. I think they're idiots, no. and I think they don't Come know on. what they have. Come on,
1: like it, so, it we're not can can we not be that show that even has that conversation, please? It, I I mean, the dude. is I'm glad that you
0: want to do that because it's a ridiculous conversation from a fan base that has been really spoiled with great coaches. I think they're like 35 and, they
1: and five since he's been there. And yeah, he's 45 one, and, five. and he's one in two against Michigan. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, and, and let me be very clear with what I'm about to say, <clears throat> because I don't want it to get misconstrued. If Jim Harbaugh was doing what he's doing now, when urban Meyer was there, he'd have an above 500 record against Ohio state. He tried to go to the whole spread offense, blah, blah, blah you know, all that kind of stuff when he first got there and adopt the college style and what, and then he was like, you know what, this is not working. I'm going back to the, the roots of the football that I know, which is run the football, run the football, run the football and be better on offensive, be better on the offensive line and be better on the defensive line. And if, if he had teams like this to play against urban Meyer, We'd be having we we wouldn't even be close to having this conversation, like it it, it it's not a conversation to be had. Ryan Day is staying the Ohio State coach as he should. He is a he top to have
0: a chance to have his counter Yeah,
1: he's he's a top ten coach for sure in college football.
0: You know how many programs, if they found out Ryan Day was fired, oh my would gosh. fire their coach immediately oh my for a chance at Ryan Day?
1: And we're talking about the upper echelon of the upper echelon programs.
0: Yes. So Ohio State fans need to chill. Give your ch- give your coach a chance to problem solve and build a roster that can compete with what Michigan's built. I think he deserves that chance, and there's no way in heck he should be fired. But Ohio State, they Michigan and Ohio State now, Michigan's taking the lead, and I'm not saying it's by a lot, but but now it's the two of them. It's going to be a two-horse race from here on out as long as they can both sustain the, the success that their programs are at. So Ohio State is no longer the ones with the target on their back, and they've got to go chasing. They've got to go hunting.
2: It's just a level of they're two very different teams right now. Like, Ohio State is the Ferrari, the Flash, the – the luxury and michigan is the ford f-150 but like not like the iowa ford f-150 that's like from 1970 and still runs like a chain like it's the one with like the touch or the ford
1: f-150 platinum yeah it's the edition it's it's, it's the one with like the touch screen
2: and like the Uh. wi-fi inside and like it'll get the job done but you'll also like be like pretty sick doing it uh it's It's really a weird dynamic because Ryan Day, I agree with you guys. I think he's a great coach, and I think he's done, you know, even with this, if you want to call it a spat against Michigan. um, I mean, the guy's won every other game that he should have won in convincing fashion up until this season. Um, But there really is a problem of if a team gets physical and is – somewhat close to their talent level, they don't know what to do. I mean, you just had them I I don't want to understate this. You just had a Michigan team come into your house and beat you by 22 points. And they shut down your, they, they, they shut down your, you know, sports car offense and they made you look pretty silly
1: doing it with not even a fully healthy. Well, and that, that's where, that's where the line play really comes in. I think you look at the offensive and defensive line play and Michigan is just light years ahead right now on offensive line and yep, defensive they line. Are.
0: They absolutely are. So I think both of these programs are still in a good spot, but obviously Michigan is in the driver's seat right now in the big 10 and they will be there until someone knocks them out of it. All right. We've talked about, I mean, we could talk about that game for the rest of the podcast. If we really want to, but I know everyone else doesn't want to hear that. So, Before we jump into the rest of the games uh, and and talk about Purdue and Iowa and the Big Ten West, uh, two significant coaching changes here and maybe a little bit of a pick in terms of if we want to talk about transfers and stuff like that. But let's get to these coaching hires first because these are a big deal. So Luke Fickle goes to Wisconsin. Wisconsin goes and gets him from Cincinnati. Uh, Where does that leave Jim Leonard? There's talks about maybe he'll stay on his D.C., but who knows? That's a conversation for another day. Matt Rule. Fire from the Carolina Panthers, former coach at Baylor and Temple, goes to Nebraska. So, Corey, I'll go to you first. Luke Fickle to Wisconsin, Matt Rule to Nebraska. Which hire do you think? Which hire do you think is better and is going to pay off more so for each of these programs in the long run?
1: There, uh, there is a correct answer to this question. There's so. a
0: correct
2: answer, but I think I'm going to go against Ethan. I'm just thinking, I can just feel it in my bones. But uh, I'm going to say Matt Rule solely for the fact that Matt Rule fixed a Baylor program that was disastrous by the time that he got there. And he turned them into at least a college football playoff contender in the Big 12. Uh, he goes and tries his luck. In the NFL, obviously that does not work. Um, but this is a guy who even in the you know in the beginning stages of Harbaugh's career was a program like refiner lifter and brings them to new levels. I mean, when has Stanford been any good since Harbaugh left? You know, and Baylor still is like kind of, you know, with Aranda has been like okay, middle of the pack, but we'll put him back on the map, and Nebraska is a program that is desperate to get back to the glory years. And they did the alma mater star quarterback route, and that failed miserably. Now they need a proven winner at the college football level. And I think Matt Rule is as close as you can get to that outside of some of the bigger names that you see. So solely, I, I mean, it could be close because I think Fickle is the up-and-coming guy. I think he could become that. But as far as a dude with the track record, we've seen Matt Rule do this before. And I think he could do that with Nebraska – given the uncertainty of how this Big Ten West side, I know we're getting rid of divisions, um, but if we're going to still somewhat stay geographically, I'm going to be very interested to see what he does in a geographical location that doesn't have the big dogs in Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State.
1: Corey, 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 Corey. Corey, Corey, Corey. You're a genius. The answer is Matt Rule, and it's not close. And listen, Wisconsin, congrats on getting Luke Fickle. I think it's a great hire. I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that hire. I think it's a good hire, and I think you're going to see Wisconsin rise back to prominence in the West. Like you said, we're getting rid of divisions, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I think that Nebraska hiring Matt Rule gives them a pipeline into Texas, which they used to have when they were back when – um Frost was there, you, you know, winning a natty and they were undefeated. It, the, he is going to have that pipeline into Texas because he has those Southern roots and he's coached at Baylor. He was an unbelievable coach. He turned that program around like that when he was at Baylor. I think Matt Rule is a phenomenal hire slam dunk. And for, for the entire off season, I don't think we'll, we will see a better hire than Matt Rule at Nebraska. Like, they went out there and they got their guy. And, and Wisconsin, listen, like I said, Luke Fickle, I think that's a great hire. Going and getting him from Cincinnati, he did an unbelievable job with player player development at Cincinnati. Really, really awesome job at recruiting. You would think that would just get better. The transfer portal and all of that, I I think he's going to really be able to take advantage of that. But I think Matt Rule, you could see Nebraska turn around in like two years, depending on what they do with the transfer portal here. I'm really excited to see what Matt Rule can do at Nebraska, bringing them back to prominence, because I really, really think he can and will. I'm calling that right now. I think Matt Rule is going to bring Nebraska back into national relevance.
0: I am going to go the other way.
1: You the the <laughs> you're wrong. It's just, you're wrong. You're wrong.
0: Now, hold on, hold on. I'm I'm going to give Matt Rule his roses. Cause I think both of these are really awesome. Hires.
1: Okay, good. Uh,
0: Matt Rule, he was at Baylor took him from 2017, one and 11 coming off the art Bryle situation to 11 and three in 2019. I can't remember if they won the big 12 championship, but i know they got to a sugar bowl uh, at temple before that he went from two wins to back to back 10 win seasons 2 years later 2 and 3 years later so the dude knows how to build a program up from the ashes 100% but i think it's much it's much easier to take a program from really bad to really good than it is to take a program from really good to elite and great and being in the national championship conversation. And that's what Luke Fickle did at Cincinnati. When he took over the Cincinnati job, he had four, he went four and eight in his first season. From then on out he went 11 wins, 11 wins, 9, 13, which he got him to the college football playoff and then nine again. I think of these two coaches, Luke Fickle is the one who has proven that he can get a team to the highest level, of college football and you can talk about level of competition that he played and stuff like that you know not playing or coaching in the Big 12 like rule did but that Cincinnati Alabama game was much closer than people thought it was gonna be and to your point guys like sauce Gardner and Desmond Ritter and Alec Pierce those are NFL guys that he came that he got to come to Cincinnati and then developed at Cincinnati so I think he's a great recruiter great talent developer and he's already been to those heights of college football. And so I think he's proven that he can take a team to that level. Whereas Matt Rule's gotten the team from really bad to really good. But it's yet to be seen if he can get that team from really good to elite. So of the two, I'm going to go with Fickle on that one. But two home run hires, I think, for each of these programs uh, I think just uh,
1: absolutely awesome for the Big Ten. yeah like two two absolutely huge hires in the same week like let's just get that out of the way the only reason we didn't lead with this is because you had the game this weekend and it was number two versus number three both undefeated for the first time since 2006 so you kind of had something big going on there but these hires (laughs) are absolutely unbelievable like we all agree with that and I, I, I mean, while we can agree and disagree on who we think the, the better hire is, I think it's just a win for the Big Ten. It really is. And yeah. especially with adding UCLA and USC, I think you're really starting to see the trajectory of the Big Ten. We are on an upward trend yeah. right now. and I agree. And hopefully what that means in the recruiting realm is – you are going to start to see guys getting pulled out of uh, western states and southern states coming to the Big Ten, which I think would be absolutely huge. So I love it. I love it for the Big Ten. I love what it means for the conference as a whole and just really looking forward to what's going to be happening happening here in the very, very close future. I mean, things that are going to be happening in this offseason with – what these two coaches are going to be able to do in the transfer portal.
2: Can we just get some balance from the rest of the Big Ten? I know we're doing away with divisions. We've talked about that. Just, just, let's let's have someone who's at least competitive from the the Western side
1: of the Big Ten. If it has to be USC. 0-9 about to be 0-10 in the Big I Ten championship. I sure game. hope so.
0: So speaking of the Big Ten West and competitive balance, Corey – the road to Pasadena, it runs through West Lafayette, baby. The,
2: the one?
0: Well, not not technically, not really, well, but, like, the phrase still sounds you know, great. You know,
2: maybe if Purdue had beaten Penn State at the beginning of the year, it, it might actually be, like, the road to Pasadena is just going to go through Indianapolis because whoever loses the game is guaranteed to be in the Rose Bowl or in the college football. That's besides the point. Guys, I just want to say like, I will take my congratulations um, for correctly predicting the uh, West Division champion. It was rocky. It was brutal. It definitely wasn't pretty, but we have arrived at a point where Purdue, the Purdue Boilermakers have been the cream that rises to the top of this crap stain that is the Big Ten West.
0: Um. So Purdue, Purdue beats Indiana thirty to sixteen. Corey, let's talk about the game. How'd
1: they do it? How'd they oh, it? oh, wait. Did they cover in that game? Did they cover? It's weird because I could have swore both of you guys were like, "No, it's too many points. This is a rivalry game. Indiana, blah blah blah." There was nobody at that Party. game. Indiana fans, you suck. You're horrible They're fans. Really bad. They're terrible. You're really bad fans. They're
2: terrible fans.
1: It's, it's you should just sell. Great.
2: Can you
0: edit that out of the pod? The part where Ethan is just basically congratulating himself. Uh,
2: just
1: I guess out? I could, but I'll pray about it. I'll I'll, I'll figure it uh-huh, out. Uh huh. Exactly. Listen, the thing is, is that if he keeps Indiana, talking, about it, it out. Indiana didn't show up for that game. <laughs> just like I predicted, they would not.
0: Okay, now Corey. Go Listen,
2: uh, rivalry game, you can talk about this game from Purdue's standpoint. Uh, Clearly, they were just the better team. Charlie Jones showed why he was one of the the best Big Ten receivers uh, in in the conference this year. Aiden O'Connell finally played up to the standard that he was supposed to play up for the entirety of the season. You got it in spurts. Um, But just the more complete team. And they were playing for something at the end of the year. Indiana could have played spoiler, but they, uh, uh, Purdue saw that they had an opportunity. The door was opened after Nebraska upsets Iowa at home. And for the first, the very first time this year, it was an opportunity that had been given to them where they capitalized on it. Because at the time the Illinois victory was not like a for sure thing. Like, if you, if you win this game, then you'll have another opportunity to then play yourself back into this conversation. Um, but this was the first time where an opportunity was presented itself. And if you win, this is you controlling your own destiny. If you win, you will do everything that you set your mind to to get to the Big Ten Championship, to get to Indianapolis. And they finally did do that. So kudos to Purdue. They looked like the team that we had told or we've been talking about that they needed to be to get to the end of the season as a division champion. And now this house is a very happy house here in Indianapolis because now it is represented by two division champions in the Wolverines and Purdue Boilermakers. I will say um, shout out to Aiden O'Connell thoughts and prayers with his family as he lost his older brother during this week. Um, And a, I mean, there's moments where, you know, it's bigger than sports um, and to play football game in such a you know devastating time um seems so minuscule but probably meant even more to the o'connell family and it was a great tribute to uh their older brother um to go out and win and play as well as they did um heart goes out to them you can't even imagine something like that but hey you're a champion today, you're going to get an opportunity to continue and cement your legacy into to Purdue football lore. Um, and hopefully you will also as the human side, get a chance to you know, grieve and heal properly um, when you have the opportunity to do so. So great story for Purdue this year. I'm really happy for them. My roommates really happy and it'll be cool to watch both these teams play in person in Indianapolis this weekend.
0: Yep. It'll be really good. Uh, yeah. And and yeah, prayers to A. O'Connell and his family. Uh, th- this game, they Purdue dominated the second half, outscoring them twenty seven to nine. I was shocked that Indiana went with Bazelak as the starter. I thought they'd stick with Dexter Williams and the threat that he presents on the Dexter ground.
1: Williams tore his ACL. He, I was going to say he's out for the season.
0: Yeah,
2: it was a non contact injury oh. in the first half. It was ugly. It was actually really gross. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. And
1: the uh, he just like folded near the sideline. So
0: did he? Sorry, I didn't watch this game. So did he? Yeah, start? he did.
1: Yeah, it, he did.
2: It could have been a different story, but uh, and then Bazalek came in, and like it was like they were the announcers were even talking about it. The offense was so much slower with him at the helm. Um, and now I saw something yeah. today that he is transferring as well uh, out of Indiana, which I mean, this is what will be his third school and what two seasons or three seasons. So
0: just a year, three years. Yeah, Missouri, Indiana, now wherever he goes next. Uh, O'Connell threw for two ninety two touchdowns. Maccabee ran for 99 yards and a touchdown, averaged 6.6 a carry. So the running game for Purdue, which has been inconsistent, shows up. Charlie Jones goes for 143 yards and a touchdown, averaged 35 a catch. Uh, just some freaking awesome numbers for Purdue, and they are in the Big Ten championship game because Iowa <laughs> could not take care of business against. Hold Nebraska. on, timeout before
2: we before we get this going. I, I have to bring this up because how on earth is Purdue not ranked in the CFP rankings?
0: Because they're not in the uh, SEC. I,
2: it, I mean, because, like, look, I, I'm looking at the bottom of the rankings right now. NC State is the 25th ranked team. Okay, they beat North Carolina. Sure, fine. Give them that. They're a ranked win. I don't care. Look at sitting at 24, Mississippi State. They have two ranked wins this year. One of those ranked wins was when AM was ranked. A&M is like four wins or something like that. I mean, it, it would be a total just like okay, we're only ranking you because you're in your conference championship. But the ACC has been doing that for years when Clemson was beating up. Oh on yeah, and the people were trying. And, oh yeah, and you're going to leave Purdue unranked when they beat, they go into the house of the number two defense in the nation in Illinois. They squeak out a win there, and they're an eight and four representative in the Big Ten. You're not going to rank. I'm not
1: listening. Listen, I'm I'm not gonna like have a conniption over it, but I should they be ranked? Yeah, like are they a top twenty five team in the country? Yeah, they are. Is that saying a lot? No, no. but yes, they are a top twenty five team. But I think you honestly could take teams fifteen through forty, and you're probably getting a lot of the same.
0: Yeah, it's probably a fine. Hot take. take. Hot right, take
2: fine. right now, too. I saw some bowl projections and Slated right now. They're projected to play LSU in a bowl game. I don't know what it is. I frankly don't oh really boy. care. Oh, boy. I think Purdue lights
1: them up. Okay. I'll take that bet. Same. I'll take that bet.
2: LSU's offense is a knee. All right. No,
1: no, no. Jaden Daniels. Is, we're, we're talking too much about the SEC <laughs> in games. Really quick, I just wanted yeah. to make one point. The best team in the ACC is now Florida State. Move on.
0: You are correct. Uh, So Iowa does not take care of business against their rival, Nebraska. I don't necessarily rival, but they don't like each other. Uh, You could chalk this up to injuries if you really want to make that case. But bottom line, if you're Iowa, you're at home playing a really Nebraska team who's fired their coach. You got to take care of business. So Petrus got hurt and left this game, and Padilla came in. Laporta never played in this game. Cooper DeGene, their just stud of a defensive back and defensive playmaker out of this game. So a lot was hurting them, but you got to win this game. Nebraska wins twenty-four to seventeen. Caleb Thompson throws three touchdowns, two hundred seventy-eight yards. Trey Palmer had nine catches, one hundred sixty-five yards, and two touchdowns. A monster day from him. And I saw in some of the post-game comments, him and Casey Thompson both. After Cooper DeGene went out, they said, I just didn't believe that anyone on Iowa's defense could cover me. And we were right. So he just had himself an absolute day. Iowa or Iowa did come back and make this interesting because at one point Nebraska was up 24 zip. And then Iowa scored 17 straight. So they tried to make it interesting at the end, but man, just not enough offense. Too many injuries on defense to to make the stops that they needed, and maybe some changes on the horizon for the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes in terms of coaching. I think it's necessary. Ethan, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's it just uh, I'm I'm really glad that it's Purdue going to the Big Ten championship game instead of instead of Iowa uh, because we saw that tape last year, and not that it's going to be you know, unbelievably different this year. I, I I don't think that that's necessarily the case, but this Iowa team does not deserve it. And they are just, they're just bad. I, I mean, they to have a defense like they have and to have as disappointing of a season as they had, it's just, I mean, you have to make changes. You really, really do. And... Look, I know Iowa is not like some elite program, okay? And I'm not trying to make them out to be that. But this year you had the you had the opportunity to do something really special with an average offense. And they couldn't do that. It was kind of like what Michigan was last year. With, did we have a downfield passing attack last year? No. Uh, we just had a quarterback that did not turn the ball over and made the plays that he needed to make but our defense was unbelievable and if Iowa had that this year they could have been great but they just could not get it together offensively all season long and when you are relying on one tight end <laughs> to be in the game for all of your offense and if he's not in you are anemic uh, that that just can't happen they have to have they have to make some serious serious changes to this coaching staff and, and, and possibly the way they recruit, I I don't know. I, I, I don't have an immediate answer, but things have got to change.
0: Yeah, they need to get into the 21st century for sure. Corey, do you want to say something before we get to the rest of these games? Um,
2: I, I don't think we're going to touch on this like as far as like its own segment. Maybe we shouldn't, but uh, there per- appears to be a particular quarterback that has just hit the transfer portal that seems to be a perfect fit for this Iowa offense. And I hear Kirk Ferentz isn't a big fan of looking at the transfer portal, but Cade uh, McNamara would be exactly, that exact definition of a quarterback who could get you to where you need to be if your defense is in the right place. So personally as a McNamara fan and pull up the receipts from the beginning of the year, I think that'd be a good fit for him. It'd just be unfortunate that he'd go to the big 10, but I think he's got a chip on his shoulder and he'll want to prove uh, to some people that, Hey, I still got it sort of a thing.
1: Um, I think I honestly think he could go to a better program. And that's not a slight against Iowa. It honestly is not. But I I think he could go and have a chance to do something bigger than what he could do at Iowa. And and I I say that with all due respect to Iowa, but they just aren't. But you think. Yeah, you do. And and I'm not going to apologize for that. Like, you, you just do what you did this year. You should be, if, listen, we have had plenty of years as Michigan fans where we have just been straight up ashamed of what our team has done. Sure. And, and, and I was, and you guys know, more than anyone else, I was calling for Harbaugh's head. Am I glad he didn't get fired? Yeah. But do if, I think he's a he's become exactly what we wanted him to be? Yes, I do. And I'm very happy about that. But. I just, man, I would be so disappointed if I was an Iowa fan in, but, in what's happened. If, if you're vying for a championship, like to get the
2: easiest path to a championship, and if you're Cade McNamara, why wouldn't you pick Iowa? Because you have one more year with the Big Ten West. What team is going to challenge you if you have your ducks in a row in offense and then still that Iowa defense in that conference for the, for the one season that you're going to be there? Who's going to challenge you? Because every other program is now in a first-year coach, or is just not at the caliber that you would need them to be in order to be competitive.
1: Because you're, I, 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 don't, but you're, but Iowa is in that exact same category. But are they? They have an established yes. coach, and outside of outside of literally a nepotism. Boys, I'm just listen. I'm just going to say it. I think it's time to move on from Kurt Ferrance. I'm beating around the bush. That that's what I truly want to say. I I I, I do. I think it is just time to move on. Uh, I think it's time to, why couldn't you go out and get Luke Fickle? Why couldn't you go out and be be the program that is being proactive and trying to make your team, trying to take your team to the next level? Why can't that be you, Iowa? We'll
0: see. We'll see what they decide to do. And there's been a couple of teams, Big Ten teams, the case has been rumored to, but We'll see what all happens. We'll probably have to dedicate a whole episode to the transfer portal at some point, which will be fun. But we'll get there when we get there, and, and we'll see what happens with these teams in the postseason. Uh, Maryland beats Rutgers thirty-seven to zero because Maryland is pretty good at football, and Rutgers is like really bad at football. Horrible. Um, Maryland total yards five thirteen. Rutgers one thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> Tua to Togo by low at 342 yards through the air, one touchdown, Roman Hemby had 70 on the ground, and then uh Juwan Jones for Maryland, Deshaun Jones, excuse me, 152 receiving yards and a touchdown. Listen. Went off.
1: Listen, I don't think that we really have to analyze this game, but like we're not going. But I, I think I'm excited to see Maryland play in a bowl game. Mm-hmm. I want to see who they get matched up with out, somebody outside of the Big Ten. And I want to see what that looks like. Like I'm actually excited for that. Whoever it is that they're gonna play. Like I I, I wanna see them play somebody not in the Big Ten. They'd probably Can I get an Amen yeah. on that. No, they would probably that, get
2: matched up against a Team in a different conference that is more suited to like their style because our biggest thing when talking about Maryland this year is that they don't play a Big Ten style of offense. And I think in a bowl game, like what if game, they play like North Carolina? No, that that they're not close enough in the rankings
1: for that to happen. I don't think. Yeah, but bowl games—it would be an
0: interesting game. Bowl though.
1: games once you start getting down into that like fifteen-ish range, it's a, yeah. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, matter. it doesn't matter. I'm just saying. I think it. I think it's going to be fun to watch them play. Yeah, I think so too. That's all. It will be.
0: It will be. Illinois uh, crushes Northwestern. Takes care of business. A couple weeks too late, but North I, Northwestern goes winless in the U.S. <laughs> Their only win came against Nebraska. Wait, and hold Ireland. on, Alex. Alex, Alex,
2: Alex, have you paid Ethan yet?
0: No, I'll Venmo you. Should do that $10. like right now.
2: Just stop talking about this game because you need to do that right now. This is the this is the to, only I diagnosis that we need in. to give I, for this game. You are bad <laughs> at picking bad football. I am good at picking bad football, and now Ethan is richer because of those th- two things.
1: Yes,
0: that is true. Illinois wins forty-one to three, and I lose zero to
2: ten. And Brett Bielema <laughs> is still a big crybaby. Next.
1: Oh my gosh! Oh, yeah. His yeah, uh, his tweet after the history. game. Good lord! Well, we should get please, both you know of these what? guys yeah. on a neutral field.
2: Shut up! You had you had Purdue at home, and they were so they stupid. were bleeding, and you couldn't do it. Freaking Chase Brown yeah. did the Heisman on Purdue, and then you lose the game. Wow! Incredible. Yeah.
1: And please, please let Michigan play that team again on a neutral field, because we played oh, awful yeah. in that game and still won.
0: Yeah, Brett Bielema, you, you got a ways to go before you get to make comments like that, buddy. Aye, aye, aye. Um, Minnesota plays Wisconsin for Paul Bunyan's axe, and they get to keep it. Minnesota wins 23 to 16. Ethan Kilimanjaro. Uh, Ethan Kilimanjaro. Ethan Kilbasa. Ethan Kilometer. He <laughs> drew for 319 Let's go. yards. 319 yards on 19 completions dude was balling two touchdowns no interceptions and they won this game mo ibrahim only ran for 70 oh,
2: yards oh his streak
0: the streak ends the streak
2: ends. For you know, mo hat ibrahim. Tip to that guy he's an absolute stud just unreal play this entire season um and then also love my man kilimanjaro getting a getting a big game because he probably heard that McNamara was going to transfer to Minnesota. So he's like, oh, shoot, I got to, I got to figure out, I got to show these people that I actually know how to play this position. Um, (laughs) Balls out against Wisconsin. And again, Wisconsin is not Wisconsin, but they're still kind of Wisconsin. So somewhat impressive, I would say. Um, But to do that without your best player performing well,
0: good for you. Good for you. Definitely. Graham Mertz for Wisconsin. Speaking of teams that may go looking to the transfer portal for a QB, Graham Mertz went 16 of 27 for 170 yards, no touchdowns, and an INT. I would not be shocked if Luke Fickle wanted to start off his Wisconsin coaching career with with a different quarterback. So TBD, That zero sources, zero credibility to that statement. But I saw someone tweet it, and I was like, that person's – onto something so we'll see
1: Cade McNamara to Wisconsin I would way that will... I would way rather go to Wisconsin if I was Cade McNamara than I would Iowa for sure if, they, if those two teams came
0: calling yes the decision is easy. Hmm,
1: I could go play for Luke Fickle in his first year at Wisconsin and you know other transfers are going to be going there as well like kids from Cincinnati are going to be coming so just not a question it's just not not a question. That's all there is to it.
0: Last game on the docket: uh, Penn State beats Michigan State ninety-five to sixteen. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Ninety-five is not how many points they scored. That's how much money is in Mel T- Tucker's contracts oh. and not make a bowl game.
1: Well, they might. They might. Yeah, they're still. they They're, they're going to get a five and seven bowl game.
0: If you went five and seven, even if you get invited, you did not make a bowl game. You went five and just, seven and got a pity invite. The Michigan State getting into a bowl game at five and seven is like when you when you want to invite your best friend to a party, but then your birthday party, then your mom's like, Oh, but their their little brother wants to come too. He can come and and, and play with you and your friends. And you're like, Mom, no, I don't. I only want to invite my friend, not not the whole family, not the siblings, and your mom's like, no, but you have to because that's the nice thing to do. That would be Michigan State getting into a bowl game this year. Is, that's is that why we're point. friends, was, Alex? Was
2: I, was I the annoying kid that was invited to your birthday party? Ooh. Whoa. Nope.
0: I almost said something, but I'm not <laughs> <say it. laughs> um, I love you.
2: I'd go watch Michigan State
0: play a bowl against Ohio, but I'm a sick Oh, two green and white teams out there. I'm a Ugh. sicko. That's
2: why I would do it. But I that'd be hilarious. Listen,
1: listen. I, I, I just bad year for Mel Tucker, and you've got to turn it around, and it's got to be quick. With the with the contract you got, like next year, we better be staring down a ten win season. It, You're absolutely. If I'm a Michigan right. State absolutely fan, right. like that, that's exactly what I'm what I'm saying. Because uh, this was an embarrassment, yeah. what happened this year.
2: Is Kenneth Walker in the transfer Absolutely. portal again?
1: Uh, no, he's actually going to win rookie of the year with Seattle. Oh,
0: okay. okay.
1: <clears throat> Sean good. Clifford
0: threw for 202 two and four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Katron Allen ran for 82. Nick Singleton ran for 78.
1: Are we still talking uh, about this eight. Penn State Michigan State game?
0: Hold, hold on, hold on. I, had, I do have a point to make. I'm not just I was being sarcastic. Numbers,
1: you know? I was being sarcastic. <laughs>
0: I do have a point to make, I promise. Um, the point being that we're talking about prospects of next year, like for Michigan State, like changes need to be made. If you're a Penn State football fan, it was just announced today that your projected first-round pick left tackle is coming back. You've got the Drew Aller era is going to officially begin next year. He's going to be your starting quarterback. You've got two great young running backs. And Penn State's got some things to be excited about. I know their fans are sick and tired of James Franklin not winning the games that he needs to win. Next year could be a big year for Penn State. They return a lot of talent, a lot of young talent. I think they have some things to be optimistic about, and they're going to be a team to watch to see if they can get into that top two and challenge Michigan and Ohio State legitimately in the Big Ten East.
2: If you're Penn State, do you have Michigan or Ohio State be the – or no, Ohio State can't be the whiteout game. But do you have Michigan be the whiteout game next year?
0: We're always a whiteout game at Penn State. They just hate us so much. They do. They do. Uh, Okay, that's all the games. Uh, In terms of picks, we've only got one game to talk about. Only one game to to break down and analyze – but last week, Ethan went five and two in the picks. Bravo, Ethan! Oh, I went four and three. So much. Bravo, me! And Corey ditched the coin and trusted his gut, his own instinct and his own intelligence. And per usual, it did not pay off. Like for, I said, like I
2: said, I'm very good at judging bad teams. That's why I
1: thought hey, Purdue was going to make it in. You can only go one and zero or zero and one this week. So. That's you know right. what we should have done? That's right. We should have done all the conference championship games for this week. That's what we should have done. Let's do it quick. We can Let's do it quick. Not Why not? Okay, not too late to do. Run it up, baby. Let's go. Run it oh, up.
0: <clears throat> We're changing on the fly. We're pros, Let's man. Go. All right, I gotta, I gotta pull them up. Roll on my waves. Hold
2: roll down. waves. All American conference champs. I, roll waves.
1: I've got it right here. I've got it.
0: You got, okay, I got it, too. Um, so that You correct me if you see a different okay, line. so
1: first game, Utah-USC on Friday. Are you here? USC favored by three.
0: Uh, Ethan goes first because his record is best. Oh, no, I, I go last.
1: I go last.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault, my fault. Corey, you got to go first, then me, then Ethan. Okay, uh,
2: neutral site. USC played Utah close. They lost by one on the road. Caleb Williams is playing the best football Maybe, if anybody in the country, we've talked about this. USC is playing for their college football playoff lives. I think they cover, you know, they're going to win outright. I think they might win by 10.
0: Uh, give me USC. I do think it's still going to be a close game because I don't trust Lincoln Riley to have a physical football team. And Utah normally does have a physical football team, but neutral site, Utah doesn't have home field advantage this time. Caleb Williams, yada, yada, yada. I will take USC to win and cover the three, barely.
1: Oh, this is just so sketchy because it's just, man, with the way Caleb Williams is playing right now, like you want to pick them, but they they don't match up great against Utah and their run game. But I am going to take USC. I think, I think USC does win this game. And oh, three points is just like, I could see them winning by one. Or two or three, but I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take USC and hope they win by a touchdown. So give me USC. All right, game number two, Michigan. Or we'll save that one for last. We'll save that one for last.
0: Okay.
1: <clears throat> we have Kansas State and TCU. TCU is favored by only two and a half points in this game against Kansas State. You know what? I I'm gonna go first on this one. I'm going to go first because I'm in first place and I get to choose what I want to do. I think TCU showed you this last week that they are a very good football team. And they've showed it time and time again throughout the season this year. I think T- TCU wins and covers. I do. I really do. And I, And I think that they have had a lot of lines that have been this way throughout the season where it's like they are a very slight favorite or an underdog. And for some reason, they always come through. So I'm going to trust him to do it again, and I'll take TCU.
2: Okay. Uh, Uh, No. No, Go ahead, Corey. I'm going. I've I've been on this TCU bandwagon for the past couple weeks here. They're winning games that you would not expect them to win. That Texas game, I still think, was incredibly impressive going into Texas and winning that game, and many people were thought, That Texas would have had that and put this Cinderella story to bed. Um, They go and you can't kill them. You can't kill TCU. They go win a tough game at Baylor and then they uh, to shut all the haters up. They blow Iowa State out of the water and to top it off, I think they're probably maybe having the most fun out of any college football team in the nation right now. Have you seen their social media? It's hilarious. No, I have not. It's hilarious. <laughs> go, go watch their like win videos. It's like it's like LSD mixed with Mountain Dew, Code Red.
1: Oh, Michigan's against Ohio State was. And where do you think weekend? they got the inspiration
2: you... from? It's from. It was TCU. from TCU.
1: That's it's... hilarious. So that's I'm... really funny.
2: TCU gonna cement the undefeated. I guess well the regular season, and then they will solidify that with a Big Twelve championship win. They will cover.
0: I am very on the fence. The first game uh, first of all, it's hard to beat a team twice in a season. That's what TCU is attempting to do. When they first played Kansas State, it was at home for TCU without Adrian Martinez, which he still won't be there. he's still hurt but they barely but they won that game by 10 against the backup QB at home and they weren't expecting to have their backup quarterback play. I'm going to go with Kansas State on this one. I think TCU, it's an awesome Cinderella story. They're undefeated, but elite teams are the ones that beat teams twice in in a single season. And I think the Cinderella, Cinderella's pixie dust, ah, pixie dust ain't even Cinderella's thing, whatever. I think it's going to run out a little bit. And at the very least, Kansas State's going to cover, make this a close game, maybe one or two points. So give me Kansas State.
2: I would even even argue that last year's Big 12 championship was the most exciting of the college football weekend. Oh, it was. It It
1: absolutely was. An incredible game. It was crazy. So let's see more of that. Okay, so now we move into the SEC. We got Georgia, LSU, Georgia minus 17 and a half. Corey? Georgia by fifty. I don't think
2: this LSU team is very good. I think Wow. They, Corey's
1: I, got no respect
2: for LSU. No, I don't. I okay. don't. I've been watching okay. this team for the past three weeks and they have been unimpressive every time. How do you AM was an inept team? Everyone's making fun of them. They're bleeding on the carpet. They've got all these five stars they don't know what to do with. Jimbo Fisher is seems to be the biggest crook in college football, stealing all this money. I mean, I think Brian Kelly's a good coach. Just it's, it's not, it's not going to all come together this year for LSU. It's a big spread. I, there's no chance of an upset in this game. I think Georgia covers the LSU is just going to get
0: overpowered. I think that LSU is going to cover this game. It is a very large spread, but Brian Kelly is a really, really good coach. LSU still has a lot of talent. I think you saw it last year where Georgia overlooked Bama in the SEC championship game and luckily still got into the playoff to to prove themselves. I think you could see them overlook LSU because of what happened to Texas A&M, and this one could be close for a while. You've seen Georgia play close to teams that they shouldn't have played close to this year. So give me LSU to cover.
1: I think, I think LSU covers as well. I'm with you, Alex. Coming off an embarrassment, you would think like, Oh man, I can get Georgia at 17 and a half, and they just lost to Texas AM. Uh-uh. I ain't falling for that trap. Give me LSU, I'll take the points. I, I, I just I'm not falling for it. Okay, so now we move on to the Big Ten championship game. And
0: wait, what about what about ACC and American?
1: Yeah. <sighs> I I was I was trying to only do ones that had like that playoff mattered. implications, yeah.
0: Let's just do them all. Do them all.
1: Okay. All right. We got we got Clemson, North Carolina. Clemson favored by seven and a half. I'm just gonna I'm gonna take this one off the off the bat. I think North Carolina wins this game outright. So, definitely taking the seven and a half. They got
2: the better with North Carolina for sure. They got the better offense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think I think that this is. This is a spot where uh, this line makes no sense to me, and I- I'm just gonna I'm gonna take North Carolina. Uh, you you can do whatever you want, like points wise. I'll definitely take the seven and a half if you're gonna give it to me. But I think they win this game. Uh,
0: I don't. Oh, go you ahead, go. I don't care. I just don't trust Clemson. Um, I know North Carolina doesn't play defense, but Drake May has put up some insane numbers this year at quarterback clemson's got a really good defensive line and run and running back which normally i trust but man you don't know who your quarterback is that's that's tough give me give me points when it comes to clemson so i'll take north carolina
2: i don't think any of these teams are any good college football playoff thinks clemson is still good i don't get it everybody's watched this team is like eh, whatever um frankly i don't care North Carolina covers. It could be an exciting game, but because it's a, it's almost going to get to Sicko's level of exciting, there could be a bunch of interceptions. I don't know. Um, I wish Florida State were playing. That's all I got to say. Same.
0: All right, American.
1: Um, the American is Tulane versus UCF. Tulane favored by three. I'm going to be honest. I don't know much about either one of these teams. But, I mean, Tulane's got one of the dopest logos in college football. So give me Tulane minus three.
2: Roll wave, baby. Alma mater of Darnell Mooney. He's on my Dynasty League team. He's nasty. He just tore his ACL. I don't know what he did. He's, he's on the IR. Plus, the the baby blue and Kelly green. Are you kidding me? Ooh.
1: Nasty. Ooh, I...
0: We literally all have the same exact take. I'm taking Tulane because they might have the best uniforms in all of college football. There. I said it. I said it. <laughs> UCF,
1: UCF is going to win outright. 100%. Yeah, they're... You shut you sh- your all mouth. Right. All right. Now we move to Michigan. Purdue. Big Ten championship game. Michigan. Minus 16 and a half.
2: Oh boy it's a, it solely depends on which spoiler maker team is going to show up i think are they going to make a game out of this or not I, michigan is focused they're they're locked in unlike any other team that i've seen in my lifetime holy smokes i'm hoping for an exciting game i'm going with my roommate i'm going with my family well it'll be a big celebration but I just don't think Purdue has the talent. And as much as my heart wants to say this is going to be a close game, I guess it won't be. So give me Michigan to cover, but I'm still not as confident as maybe I should be.
0: Uh, I am picking Michigan to cover, and I am very confident. I think this is going to be slightly similar to last year's Iowa game where Michigan will start out a little bit slow, but they've shown you this year. They are a second-half football team. They have the superior coaching staff. They have the superior talent. They're superior across the board. So, what I think is going to happen: Charlie Jones might get one on them. You know, Aiden O'Connell might get one or two on them in the first half, and then Jesse Minter's gonna gonna go back to the drawing board and just come up with something incredible that absolutely stonewalls Purdue in the second half. And Michigan's going to pull away with it because they're the more physical and talented football team. Give me Michigan.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to. I'm going to take Michigan in this game as well. I know we have a lot of the same picks here, but this is just one of the ones where I, I just I don't feel like Purdue has the the staying power to stay in this game. Um so I am I'm going to go ahead and take Michigan and I'll punt the 16 and a half. I think Michigan probably ends up winning by like 20 or something like that.
0: All right, boys. Well, that is the episode. Thank you all. For listening and joining along with us, please, please, please leave a review, like, subscribe, follow, whatever you got to do. You can hit us up on Instagram at Big Show Pod where we post some stuff on there. Again, thank you for listening. So psyched to get into championship weekend and then talk bowl games and playoff. It is going to be a fun end to the college football season. So stick around. Keep listening. We will see you next week.
1: Peace.